Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The housing crisis is part of the affordability crisis and vice versa. But our next guest was asked to travel to Prince Edward Island and speak to the Liberal caucus uh, and give them some insight on some of these issues. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. Paul Kershaw joins us now. He's the founder and lead researcher and executive chair of Generation Squeeze. Paul, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, Generation Squeeze, let's start there. Tell us about this organization uh, organization that, that you founded. What is Generation Squeeze? Yeah, so Generation Squeeze, we like to call it not just a think tank, but a think and change tank. That's because half of it exists at my lab at university, the University of British Columbia, and the other half is a charity called Age. And together, we're trying to mobilize evidence to have Canadians champion generational fairness so that we really preserve many things we hold to be sacred, like a healthy childhood, a healthy home, and a healthy planet and thereby leave a legacy of which we can all be proud. Um, How did it come about that you were invited to speak to the Liberal Caucus at their retreat? Yeah, um, so because it's a cabinet retreat, there is cabinet confidentiality, so I'm going to answer less directly in some regards. But it is publicized that they had a a panel on youth, and that's what I was was invited to. And Generation Squeeze has long said that a younger demographic in Canada today is being financially hammered by housing prices that are leaving behind their earnings, all while they're inheriting larger government debts and just increasing amounts of environmental damage. And that is meaning that their hard work isn't paying off like it used to for past generations. We've been sounding that alarm, and we have been pointing out that it gives rise to economic precarity, mental ill health, eco-anxiety, and really just a declining level of hope to some degree for the future. I think you're right. We hear it all the time. Uh, we know that, uh, it, it, I mean, everybody's having trouble, but we the reporting has been just this week that millennials are really, really feeling the squeeze. So w- was the focus primarily housing? Because like you say, there's a lot of other factors that go into it, right, Paul? Well, housing was absolutely a dominant fact okay. uh, focus, and they had an entire panel on that issue unto itself, in addition to focusing on that through youth issues. Um, but the point that I, you know, I tend to make, if anyone looks at our website at Gen Squeeze, is that you won't see us frame these issues as youth issues. We frame them as an intergenerational problem. The, the squeeze on younger Canadians isn't really something that, they, you know, anything that they're doing. It's actually, it's also not just coincidental. You know, we, could, we predicted these problems decades ago. And in many regards, you know, the problems a younger generation is facing is, this is a hard truth, but they're the result of, you know, kind of treatment by an older generation as a result of policy decisions they made in the past. And, and what do I mean by that? You know, well, we are witnessing what it looks like to have used so much of the atmosphere's scarce capacity to absorb carbon. Now it can't do that very well, and we're getting warming temperatures and fires and floods and drought. That was entirely predictable by not trying to reduce our pollution. And so in housing, we are also extracting so much of the wealth that a housing system can produce. I'm in Metro Vancouver. I'm mm-hmm. implicated in this. <laughs> and if you take too much wealth out of a housing system, it's good for your demographic. It's good for me. But by definition, it's leaving less affordability for those who follow. And so this extraction theme and leaving less of the good stuff for those who follow, it's a hard message to tell my generation and particularly my mom's generation. And so I'm really trying to appeal to 
grandmothers and grandfathers say, we need you to get off the sidelines. We need you to know that you are great caregivers in your families, but maybe not necessarily the best intergenerational citizens. And how can you help out with that now so we all leave a proud legacy? How was that message received by the Liberals? Any reaction, feedback? How do you think they uh, received it? Yeah, again, I can't comment about what happened in the room, but I was um, taken by the fact that when I saw the Prime Minister go and do a press conference following most of the retreat, he started to make a, just a much, a very direct appeal and outreach to millennials and he you know on the one hand he had you know he wants to drive to like we've been trying to do some important things but we know there is so much more to do and one of the things that i find in, in my work more and more is that we really just need to acknowledge the grief that a younger demographic is feeling like especially around housing the housing grief the, the dream that a good home should be in reach for what hard work can earn that dream is no longer reality even yeah. if you're willing to abandon home ownership increasingly for rent it's not in reach for what local earnings pay. And that is such a such a blight on our economy right now. And of course, it was, I mean, inherently political that you're speaking to politicians. And like you say, this goes back many, many years. It's a long process that sort of has brought us to where we are. Um, are the Liberals doing what they need to do? I actually, I wanted to ask you about Pierre Polyev, because he's talking about the yeah. housing thing a lot. Um, if yeah. you hear these two parties sort of sharing their message, somebody getting close? Well, I think Mr. Polyev is actually doing a better job at acknowledging the grief. So if you think about Mr. Polyev's press conference shortly after the liberal retreat, he talked about the housing system really proving to be a prison, you know, kind of imprisoning younger people in their parents' basements. I think that kind of language is really strong and an apt description. But I then, you know, then I hear that Mr. Polyev kind of then politicize it too much. He's like, everything's breaking on the prime minister's watch. But, you know, the, the, the many decisions that have entangled Canadians more generally to bank on high and rising home prices for our well-being, our wealth accumulation. These, have, you know, this is a complex policy issue that's been in place for decades. So you could charge Mr. Trudeau perhaps for you know not being as urgent as we might have liked, but you have to charge other governments for having been even slower still. And I didn't hear Mr. Polyev say something, nor the Prime Minister. But if Mr. Polyev really thinks that today's housing system is imprisoning younger people, then the next thing I want to hear out of his mouth is like, I'm committed to growing prosperity. In this country, in a way that doesn't rely on growing home prices faster than earnings. If we're not willing to say that, you know, to restore affordability for all, we need home prices to stall indefinitely so that earnings can catch up, then we're not going to get anywhere. And the absence of the goal right now is actually, I think, even a bigger problem than, you know, the lack of policy details. You're right. And that's what it comes down to. It doesn't matter what party it is. That If you want to talk about affordability, and there's a million different things they're talking about, but they all need to agree that prices can't continue to go up, at least for a while until wages catch up. I mean, that's the starting point. That is the starting point. And if you have that clarity, it's like the North Star. Then you have something, a yeah. compass to work with. And then you can reorient every policy we have to achieve that goal. Our problem right now is in the absence of that goal, we actually have policies working at cross purposes. And we have a culture that I imagine even on your radio program, because it happens on radio and TV programs across the country, when we describe home prices stalling or falling, we say, oh, the housing system's weak. Yes. When we describe home prices rising, we describe it as strong. You only can 
think that rising home prices represent a strong housing market if housing is not for homes first, it's for wealth accumulation first. And that can no longer be our primary goal for the housing system. Housing first needs to be for homes first and investment second. We can. We can take on large mortgages and then pay off our large mortgages over time and have equity that way. But if we want not only to pay off a large mortgage and then hope our home price goes up by 50, 100, 150, 200 percent, that's the addiction to rising home prices that is fueling this unaffordability saga for young people and easy overnight wealth accumulation for people like me. And, and Paul, and you, and, I mean, that's been the mantra in this country going back since I was a kid. You buy a home you, and then you can retire. That's It's a retirement plan. It's an investment that's going to reward you better. And then we've treated it that way for a long, long time. And we're going to need to really change our financial incentives so that when people borrow money to invest, they're not going to use it to bid up the price of buildings that are already existent. We'll borrow to invest to build new homes, and we'll borrow to invest in industries that are timely needed today, helping to green our economy, make us more productive. That's where we're going to get productivity gains that drives people's earnings. When we borrow to invest into existing housing and bid up the price of my home, we're not actually producing lots of jobs. Housing is the biggest share of Canada's economy, and yet very, very few people make their livelihoods there. It's a massive gap, and so that means the real estate agents make good earnings, homeowners like me do well, but anybody who isn't that, they are having their hard work not pay off because their major cost of living is inflating, and their earnings aren't being influenced by that inflation of housing prices. Makes perfect sense. Paul, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it.